Hi, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to one of my all-time favorite Ceremony Circle podcast episodes. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today we are blessed to sit with a spiritual man who has really done the work. He's experienced some major life initiations, which we go into depth about, yet he's also super strong in the business world. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He co-hosts the Emmy award-winning Netflix show, Down to Earth with Zac Efron, and his name is Darren Oline. Now, Darren and I run in the same circle, so I had known about him for a long time and could certainly feel his spiritual essence. So it was so much fun to watch the surrendered divine river grab us both and take hold of today's conversation and steer us into covering birth traumas and the wild story that goes along with how he unearthed his and the vital current importance of facing our own stuff going deeper than ever before with trauma healing and clearing how to be a phoenix rising through the greatest challenges life throws our way, his massive initiation with sacred fire. It's one of the most powerful stories I have ever heard, so you definitely have to tune in to hear it from Darren's mouth, how he became known for his work with sacred plants and being a superfood hunter, how to travel the world listening to the calls and building an honoring business ecosystem that honors the land, the indigenous peoples, the tribes, the wild plants and foods he's working to bring to us. What is a Baruka nut and why is it known as the world's healthiest nut? How he and actor and activist Zach Efron became friends and their show Down to Earth with Zach Efron came to be. And he gives us a little sneak peek teaser of what's to come for season two of the show. And even though Darren is a mega successful businessman and green tech investor, etc., he closes our ceremony circle time together by playing the harmonium. It's an ancient instrument from India. It's one of my favorites. And he plays that while he sings some chants. It's so medicinal and beautiful. There is mega, mega beautiful medicine in today's show. So I recommend you get comfy and just open yourself right up to learn from a sovereign, integrity-filled, spiritual, and businessman, Darren Oline. All right. Okay, Darren, I'm so excited to finally meet you after knowing of you for so long. Thank you for joining me today. I'm equally excited, Allison. Uh, You're playing a stronger and stronger role in my circle of friends, so it's fantastic to uh, connect with you. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, when I was feeling into today and I was doing that again at my altar this morning, one intriguing thing that really popped out was the word initiation. And I feel like you are someone who has really experienced various initiations in your life. And I thought, ah, what a beautiful, powerful theme for our voyage today. So I just wanted to set that tone. And I'm curious before I ask my first question pertaining to that theme, what does that word, does that word bring up anything for you? So much. It's powerful. Um, I think the fabric of life inherently has that as we're walking in the body and get to experience this world and without a doubt whether you want to call it whatever you want initiations are happening and uh what are you going to do with it so so there's a ton that comes up around that and actually fantastic and powerful and emotional and would never take any of them back either right so yeah and birth kind of comes the first one. I had my own little starter journey upon birth too. So that's kind of the first one that pops up. What was that? Now I'm intrigued. What was your starter initiation? Well, it was, it was kind of whether or not I wanted to be here at all. I was two months early. So I was about four pounds and then I, yeah. And then it's, 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 it's a, crazy story but I, you know so i was already fighting for my life and they threw me in an incubator didn't let me touch my mom and my mom i didn't have my mom's contact for like two or three weeks um so i lived lived in the incubator and that was touch and go so that i i was given about a 50 50 chance of of surviving 
some underdeveloped uh, theories. And yeah, I lost a half a pound. My dad very clearly thought I was, I was leaving. And he has his story that he told me. And then just wild, which you'll totally understand when I was finishing up a psychology program in 2001, we were doing this recapitulation of, of, of our years of life. And every month we'd kind of go, okay, here's like, you know, 30 to whatever, 30 to 20, 20 to 15. So every would we would regress back. And then we finally got to this point where the counselor actually reminded me of my mom. So here's the universe setting this shit up. And it was zero to a minute born or whatever that last kind of scenario. And you can't cognitively go there. You don't know what the hell you don't remember, quote unquote, from a linear perspective. So she was, you know, eyes closed. She was taking me through this regression. And there's a third party witness and we're in a classroom, right? So we're all in our own little pod, but yet in a classroom. So she starts telling me like, taking me through this kind of hypnotic journey. And all of a sudden she goes, what's going on? And I can see and feel like I'm in the womb, but like all of a sudden just showed up and I'm in the womb. I'm feeling, she's like asking questions, like what's going on. I'm like, it's chaotic. I'm feeling all this energy. Now I'm coming out of the birth canal. I literally see the people, right? I see the nurses. I see the, the, the chaos, the people running around. Cause they don't know. I didn't even know if they knew I was alive at that time. And so, so that's what I'm feeling. I'm starting to feel all that. Now, now we're in that. My eyes are closed. I'm feeling all of that. And they take me and they start poking and prodding and, and, and doing all of what, whatever the hell they do. Not to mention whenever they circumcised. And I know Luke's done a lot of work, which actually. He's was, very passionate about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which I've contemplated quite a bit, actually, off of some of his episodes. It's been great. But, and at the same time, I'm, I'm feeling all of this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm now welling up full of something. Mm. And, and this is now, I'm in my adult body. We're having this experience. And my counselor literally says this next question. She said, what do you need? And oh my God. Just the asking of that question, I could feel literally as, as hot liquid was welling up inside the base of my spine. All of a sudden, I couldn't even stop it. It, it started surging up my body and literally came out with sobbing. I immediately started just crying and snot and liquid and like it was fucking insane were you um, releasing the fear of that birth moment or what do you think that was it had to be tra i mean it had to be the trauma without a doubt uh it was i literally felt it was held in my dna in my spine in my memory without a doubt without a shadow of a doubt because at that asking of the question it exploded out of me as I was answering. I said, I need my mom. Oh, and it just God. literally, oh. I mean, it just exploded. And I sat there and cried. And here I am. I just rode my Harley to class. I'm like, I'm like, just, you're a real man's man. Yeah. <laughs> there's like 200 people. And I'm like, I couldn't even stop. It was a tsunami. And, and so from that point on, I have viewed birth both in the womb, out of the womb, what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're, that's the immediate form of either pleasure or trauma, or it's going to be some sort of trauma. I mean, just coming into this world is, 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 is difficult. So that was my first initiation. <laughs> that was, that was, are you going to be here? Or are you going to go? If you are going to go, here we go. Um, I released how many years of welled up trauma that was there. And thank God I survived the incubator. I got human contact from my mom. Everything seemed to work out. My father tells of a beautiful story of seeing, looking at my life before he passed away of alcoholism. He told me of this journey 
that he's always seen me on. I'd get hit with adversity and I would, boom, I would come back, hit again, boom, I would come back and better and better and driven and driven. And he, he, he told me and walked me through that birth. And he goes, I've always seen that same energy. Wow. God, that is so powerful. And I'm so, thank you for your openness and willingness to go right there because it makes sense now why that word came to me at my altar this morning. It literally just dropped in and across my mind's eye it was initiation. And at my top of my notes here in all bold letters, it says initiation. And now, now I understand. And I also could sense that about you, even though I'd only been aware of who you are, I put somewhere in my notes, I really actually want to find out. Yeah. Where has your zest for continued exploration and evolution come from? Because I think I could pick up on that essence that you just described your dad sharing with you about your ability to be the Phoenix rising and, you know, not, not faulting or judging anyone that has been taken down by hardships and challenges. You know, there's medicine, of course, and reverence and beauty and, and everything. But I was curious about that aspect of you. If if there are any words or reasoning you can put to that drive or that fire or that ability that you have had continuously through life, when initiations and challenges come your way, what do you feel inside of you or how have you been able to rise through each one? It's a really good question. I, I mean, and it, it it's actually very personal, that, that whole thing. It's like my... In a, in a certain sense, it's understanding that this world, the propeller of this reality is actually the, the pushing and the pulling, the light and the dark. It actually propels us. So it's actually, it's, it's actually necessary of this world, totally, completely, the, the shadow, the dark, the, all, of, all of that, the evil, the good, the, it's actually necessary. So understanding that it is not happening to me that now my relationship with it it's just, it, it is even better uh because it becomes like it doesn't mean that the pain the initiating pain the challenges the sadness the humility the results of that initiation doesn't mean that that's not hurting and harmful in those times or or challenging but now my relationship is it's not happening to me. It is a underneath it all. Once I grieve through it, there is absolutely without a doubt in any cell of my body, a superpower waiting to emerge. And I literally would take nothing back of any of the challenges. I mean, obviously I can use the, the, the three years ago when I got everything wiped out and literally everything I owned was in ashes you know, to this day, I would never want anything back because it gave me so much in terms of the passion, the conviction, the resolve. Uh, again, it was that same like, oh, got hit. And now what's there? What is propelling me forward? And and that relationship now is, you know, it's not like I'm looking for challenges because you know, in a weird way, Allison, it's it's gotten me more surrendering to more. It's more surrendering than I've even imagined I could surrender at this point because I trust it more. I I try. I'm not trying to over control my life, even though I still am a control freak. I'm I'm letting go, letting go, letting go, and that divine river that is guiding. I had the funny, I had a funny moment in, in meditation the other day. And it was kind of like source, God, universe, whatever the whatever you choose as your words came in clearly to me and said, Hey, listen, everything you want, everything at the deepest level is given when you kind of when you let go to the divine. So any idea that you have of, I want this, I want that, and a da-da-da-da. It's never, ever, ever going to fulfill that which is at the deepest part of yourself anyway. And I literally started breaking out laughing. And it was a moment where I'm like, am I finally willing to continue to surrender 
And I just have always this picture in my mind of this golden river that just takes, takes you and, tr- and, and the, the trust and the divinity and the grace and the joy and the flow. It's like, man, it's much easier to trust that than taking a paddle and trying to go and the upstream and go where I want to go. And oh my God. So Yes, God, I'm so glad you're bringing all this up. And I also call it, uh, you know, the divine river of surrender. I I use the river as well. And when I'm talking about it to, you know, whoever and um, yes, and it is that anomaly, right? Because initially it can be it can be not always it can be difficult to let go into that river for a million reasons, you know, just the human mind and the ego and just, you know, constructs and narratives and concepts that we have gotten so ingrained and don't even realize how ingrained they are for how we think or want our life to go. But like once, if you really devote to aligning to that surrendered river and, and, and really communicate that willingness and readiness to yourself and great spirit, whoever you speak to and like really put in the work because you, you might let go. And I'm just, you know, talking to that soul family, listening to us, of course, like you might let go a couple strong notches and like you, you might actually land in that river and like be flowing down that river, but then something might kick up an initiation, a test, a challenge to see if you're willing to fully let go when a certain rapid comes in or whatever, sometimes you jump back out on the bank, but it's like constantly keeping yourself in check and questioning, like, Am I grasping and, and gripping with all my might towards something that is truly not in divine alignment? And if you catch yourself, you know, getting back in the river, but once you're fully in that river, I 100% agree with you. It's truly the easiest way of life, but you, it's, it can sometimes take some work to really, to really let go into that space. So um, I love the the current of our conversation already. And I, let's see, let me tune in for a moment, actually. You know, I'd actually like to stay in the story that you just touched on. And I don't know details. I was waiting for today to, to learn all about it. But I know that your property in Malibu, at one point, it you were not always sitting in the yurt that I see you in right now. And I believe you had a home. And it's my understanding that a fire came in and burned everything to the ground. And my relationship with the element of fire, I call it sacred grand fire. It's, you know, in my perspective, the original shaman of the entire of all the universes. And so I revere it and work with it and learn from it um, on a daily basis. So I know the power of the fire. So yeah, whatever you're willing to share about that experience and what that was like for you and specifically touching on um, releasing of attachments and monetary possessions and material things. Yeah, it was a big one. Um, I mean, the, the, there was no, you know, there was no coincidence and only serendipity in a weird kind of way. So, you know, we were filming season one of down to earth, down to earth is committed to health and wellness of our planet, of ourselves and looking at and investigating great people doing great things. A lot of, uh, exploring of indigenous ways and cultures and stuff like that. So I knew the fire had started. We were in the last episode uh, of the last days of filming. But so I just heard the fire had started. I didn't know anything about it. And then boom, on the Amazon River, not connected to anything. And then just praying like, hey, my, my the house that I purchased and the land, it's been around for a very long time. The house was built in the thirties. So, you know, time was on my side, like probably going to be spared. Right. So I didn't know how big the fire was. I didn't know much. So the crazy thing is I just let go. I just, what do you, what do you do? You know, I'm in the, in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the Amazon. I'm doing my thing. We came up to the ayahuasca center. We never, we didn't do ayahuasca in the show, but we talked about it but we ended up doing some cleansing ceremonies. Check this out. We were getting 
you know, what most people can see is sage, right? So sage is an amazing cleansing, aura cleansing, physical, mental, emotional cleansing plant. Well, we were using Amazonian plants and they were uh, smoking me out um, in the ceremony and cleansing and doing everything else. And we looked back at the timing of that occurring for me. And I didn't know this yet. The timing of me being smoked out was about the same time my house was actually burning, but I didn't know that. So on some level, I knew that my soul or whatever, and I was incredibly impacted by that um, ceremony. Cut to, we cruise back on the river, cruise back. I get cell reception. I have hundreds of messages. Obviously, I found out that everything was wiped out. Luckily, my dog was away and I drove one car to the airport and I had suitcases. I mean, I literally started celebrating at least those things, right? So, you know, I'm in a foreign country. All this is through texts and messages and pictures. You can only grieve so much. I'm just kind of in shock. We finished filming. They asked if I wanted to stay. I, they totally said, you can leave if you want. But I was like, well, the point of this whole show is at the core one of the reasons my house even burned down, right? So I said, no, I'm here. So we finished, I went back and I couldn't get back to the property for a few weeks. And I then came and then that wave, the bigger waves of grief really started to, because you really see that literally everything is gone. Nothing, not, not a bug as far as you could see. So I, I'm on 50 acres surrounded by the national park. There's, there's nothing. Wow. There was no green there was no, hmm. it was black and gray. It wow. was a, and yeah. someone like you, you know, that has energetic sensitive sensitivities and attunement. And yeah, I can only imagine the layers of grief coming up. It's not just about your house and your possessions. It's about the animals. It's about nature. And of course we trust, of course we trust in the processes, but like still you have to walk through that and move through that and feel that there's a lot of, lot of death there. You have to, I think my practice of grief, that real practice of grief is when my father died, you know, 20 years earlier. It was so overwhelming that there was a voice inside of me that says, just let it all happen and try to do nothing with it other than let it happen. And I grieved my father and it was powerful and still is a presence in my life in that, in that way. And, uh, and so when I came into this, there, there was a massive death because it isn't just stuff. These things have representations. They have, mm. you know, father's things, mother's things, all of the symbology of everything that accumulated at any point. Of course, those things mean the most computers and hard drives and all of that stuff, whatever. But the, the symbology and all of those things that, that are connected to genealogy and family and all of that stuff. So, so coming to the property was really heavy. Um, hell, there were still things even burning. I had to chainsaw my way in because there's so many trees down. And so I just, that same voice just said, let it all happen. And the grief came and it came, comes in waves and comes in waves and it comes sometimes in years. And that's not wrong. It's just levels and levels of it. There's sometimes I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that thing's gone. Oh, oh yeah, that's gone. And now I can kind of laugh about it. But the, the biggest things that stood out was connection and, and, and people in my life that really surged in mm. to give me a place to stay and, and be there for me. So the fabric of connection and friendship is so true. And you really learn that through tragedy. And then again, why I was doing everything in my life was about health of people, health of the planet. And it, it, the fortitude that the grief and the real, the excitement, and this was the weird thing. Alice, I couldn't really tell people at the time. Mm -hmm. I would have heavy grief and then I'd get glimpses of the future mm -hmm. and it would excite the hell out of me, right? I would see my property healed and powerful and the vision that I actually had years before 
it just wasn't the way I was going to do it, burn everything down. I was starting to glimpse that the universe just kind of accelerated all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and some people that were really close to me were like in shock. They were like, how the hell can you be so excited when you literally lost everything? And so I kept that a little close to my chest because, you know, people grieve differently and my whole community was affected. But, but I was getting waves of like utter despair, but then would go pink and then show me this grace and joy and possibility and future. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. And again, that initiation, like, what are you going to do? Because society does not look around. (laughs) Society does not promote greatness. Hell, they're now finding out the algorithms of Facebook are absolutely geared, regardless of whatever's going on in the world right now, the algorithms are geared to despair and uh, challenging algorithms of slamming people together because it keeps people on. That's the, that's the fabric. That's a representation of our world. Our world doesn't, number one, know how to grieve, certainly in many cultures here. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to promote this powerful opportunity of growth. And it wants to, because I see it, I would even see it in my community. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I literally like, no, no, no. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm good. Like, not that I would stop people and however they need to do it, but their initial thing is such a, such a depression that is kind of tries to keep a little bit of this victim place in place. And then it's like, no, man, it didn't happen to me, brother, sister. It's literally fueling my fire. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. And, And I'm not taking that back. Yeah. Trusting in the alchemy and the energy that I was feeling as you were sharing this, which in my own way, I'm going through in a different scale and capacity. But when all of a sudden this unexpected alchemical fire comes in and just collapses something that's been known for many years, yes, there can be wild discomfort and and different emotions that come up. But when you get adept to working with alchemy and trusting it all and seeing the reverence in it all pretty darn quickly, just a couple steps in to that discomfort, all of a sudden, yeah, it's like this expansion of breath and like new space. And it can feel like a net that you didn't even know was there got lifted. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I was underneath a net or I didn't even realize that I was feeling a bit constricted or stifled in any way until something like that happens. And then, yeah, there's this new space for this brand new life force to open up and it can induce that euphoria and expansion. So it was, I was tuning into that when you're sharing. Yeah. And you mentioned something extremely important and that is you don't get the keys to the castle and to the new perspective until you feel and allow yourself to go through it and grieve it and to feel it. It's not staying in it, but allowing it to move through. And so everyone, we want to run from things that aren't, doesn't feel good, right? We want to just move on and we're missing out on so much of the gifts that are there. So you do have to grieve. I didn't get to see all of that stuff just by way of wanting to. Like I had to go through the levels of grief and allow all of that that to happen. And and it's the same thing with society, the inequality around the world, the the things that we want to, racism, colors of skin, Native American, we want to just go, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And we just want to move on. Like you got to freaking own it, man. And like in owning all of these things, both individually and collectively, we can own it, come together, not stay separate, because staying separate, oh, it happened, got to move on. Oh, this happened, we got to move on. That's not, you're missing the true gifts. And so 
as much as it, all of us want to avoid this pain, like you just went through a whole bunch of stuff, but you still have it in your being, in your body, in your and your physiology, and you gotta like, where is that? What's going on? And it's, I promise, it has a voice. Like I love doing gestalt stuff when I'm stuck on something. Like literally, give an aspect of me a complete voice. And like gestalt therapy used to be like literally sit your ass in a chair and then talk to the other person in an empty chair. Talk to that other aspect of you. And then really give that a voice. It could be a part of your body. It could be something you experience. Like what is going on? Yeah. Because we don't give aspects or experiences that true kind of platform to explain. It's like the inner child work for God's sakes, right? You know, if I didn't stop and start acknowledging the birth process, I would have been holding on to something for the rest of my life. Yes. So, and that's and that's the thing that we just I think we just cruise over way too much. I'm not saying, you know, talk therapy for 40 years and all of that crap. Not that that's not appropriate for certain things and situations and opportunity. But I'm just saying, if people get you to go in and feel and create that relationship with yourself and not be afraid of that, that's just I mean. That's the superpower. Hey, beautiful soul fam. I just want to take a moment to remind you that the biggest project of my entire career, my first book, Animal Power, is now available. This book is truly lifetimes in the making, and this lifetime I worked on it for over four years. So needless to say, I am very honored and excited that it is now available in your home and the homes of your friends. So thrilling. Animal Power Book is brimming with 100 different vibrant animal illustrations, transformative practices, and captivating stories from around the world. It is an enlightening guide to the power of the animal realm and how they bring peace, healing, and empowerment to your life. It is truly such a powerful and loving medicine book. My life was completely transformed by working with power animals. And it was actually them who came to me and asked me to co-create this very book with them. And the art for each of the 100 animals is stunning and vibrant and embodied. The artist, William Santiago of Brazil, actually passed away at the young age of 30 right after completing the works of art held in animal power. So I want to honor and thank him for sharing his legacy within these pages. You can go and get your copy of Animal Power and a copy for your friends and family. It's available everywhere books are sold, but if you get it now at my website, which is allisoncharles.com backslash Animal Power, you will get a free video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me where you will meet your current power animal. It is a perfect gift. So any animal or spirituality lovers out there, you know you can grab a copy of Animal Power for them for their birthday, Halloween, Christmas, etc. So much love, Soul Fam, and to all of you who have already purchased your copy, thank you with all of my heart for your support. Animal Power Book has regularly been the number one new release on Amazon. I could not be more grateful. It, it absolutely is. And especially in my perspective, a time like right now, really communing and extracting and talking to and getting to know any traumatic residue left within us, um, doing trauma, clearing, healing, transcendence work right now, I think is if someone said to me like, right now you have to pick one thing. That's the most important thing that people do right now. It's that, you know, it's, it's cleaning up our own side of the street. You know, yes, it could involve shadow work. I I just am coming off of a weekend, um, co-facilitating with two dear sisters of mine. And, and we held a container for many, many hours for a hundred women to do this exact work that we're talking about. And it started with me doing a guided shamanic journey where I took them through the desert and into a cave to go to their most traumatic moment, to 
like unlock what what is still left what is behind that process that they experienced and to let it be expressed be it felt be known talk to it feel it and also calling forward and i say this lovingly but the gremlin like that voice when you're about to up level and grow majorly what is that gremlin voice that kicks in to try to tug you back down or keep you playing small let it be heard and just allowing finally for all of those pieces to be to be liberated because when we don't that is those what feel like subtle undercurrents that's behind the trauma becomes our operating system yeah i just uh wanted to go on my little rant as well because if it's resonating with anyone sitting with us in the ceremony circle i you know i urge you if it's resonating to lean into that work it's more important than ever uh yeah to heal our traumas more important than ever like absolutely i'm doubling down on it myself and it's like meditating twice a day with some specific goals, having a coach, getting clear on where my energies are going, where they're being bled. You know, it's just like, gotta, like, this is it, man. Like, let's go. Like, you, you can look back and turn around and say, see all the failures and the, everything else and all the crazy shit going on. Yes, good. Okay, cool. Again, going back to what I originally said, propeller is it, are you using it to propel you forward? Are you using it to pull you down? Are you using it to extract uh, more power, potentiality, passion out of you? That's the propeller. The, the world that we're, we happen to be in, the grace and, and the opportunity that all of us souls who are embodying a body are here right now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Like, and I, Allison, you know, there, there's an incredible thing going on. There's the more I surrender, there's, there's magnetism and that's magnetism of like-minded tribal people coming together with similar vision that maybe have had them in the background, but the propeller of the crazy world is allowing us to come together, put some things down and create the future that we now need. Amen. This is a most clarifying time. That word clarifying mm -hmm. is just coming in as I'm listening. And it's uh, not always easy. And I have been in my own incredibly deep, pretty freaking excruciating processes, especially in the last few weeks as well. But I'm walking through it and I'm chewing through it and I'm really looking at all the spokes and at all the all the layers and checking in, especially if one area feels extra wonky. I am checking in with Luke. I am checking in with the trusted outside perspective. Like I'm freaking chewing all the way through it. And it is so clarifying. And I do feel like, yes, we are starting to see more evidence of emerging into this clearer space, whether it's with relationships, work, the things that you eat, ingest. It's just, it's really bringing everything up to, to serve us and to up level. And so speaking of eating things, like I can't interview you and not talk about the fact that you're the, known for being this super food adventure hunter. I mean, you have created quite a resume for yourself based upon that one aspect of your life journey alone. I about shit my pants when I read that you were the formulator for the Superfood Shakes Shakeology, which has grossed over $4 billion with a B, $4 billion in sales. I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing with Superfood foods. It's incredible that no one could have predicted that. But you know, it was you know that there was a alchemy there that came together in 2006, the owner of Beachbody and his wife, or was then girlfriend, Isabel Deigler, who's her own credible badass. They're both badasses. And it's kind of all three of us got together and Isabel was pretty busy at a time. So I kind of grabbed it, grabbed the reins. Carl said, Hey, uh, you do your thing and let me worry about selling it. And that is a dream come true for someone who's passionate about superfoods and helping the planet and the indigenous people and getting quality of these incredible medicinal plants and botanicals actually 
into a bag and and do it right. We got support of a of a obviously a big company and it and it just took off. So yeah, that that was a you know lightning in a bottle for sure. And and we're still we're still riding that train for sure. So cool. And so I'd love for you to share because you brought up something that really stood out to me as well, where where you were explaining, you know, doing it right in terms of honoring the land, honoring the indigenous communities where you are discovering these superfoods and plants and things like that. So I'd love for you to go into a little bit more detail and maybe the Baruca nuts is a good example. I don't know whichever one's coming up for you because I would love for people to expand into that picture of what that looks like in terms of how you're led. How are you called into a certain place? How you commune with these plants, perhaps even the spirits of the plants, and then how you make sure, because I know one initiative with the Baruca nuts is you are dedicated to um, planting 20 million trees. So yeah, just going through that whole process. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a deep one for sure. So yeah, using Baruca's as a, as a good muse for this because you know it, it's so interesting how I would probably say number one, to the, the, the plants kind of find me more than I'm looking for the plants. You know, it, it's not it's not like I'm discovering anything. I'm kind of rediscovering and rediscovering and learning and the timing and, and whatever else. So, you know, that that journey of all over the world started about in 2003, 2004. And you realize that so much knowledge. Oh, my God, so much knowledge. So it's funny because I'm looking here. And then I come away with a hundred other ones that blew my mind. And then I'm so distracted with all these other ones that, and that's kind of how Baruch has happened. I was in the other side of the country, uh, in the, in the Amazonian side of Brazil, looking at palm fruits, hanging out with some villagers in Brazil. And I got messaged another Brazilian on the, on kind of the Southern Eastern, uh, Western side of Brazil telling me about this nut out of the Sahadu of Brazil, the savannah. And I had never been to the savannah. And I never had heard of this castanha, this, this many, many different names, the Baru, the castanha, all of these things. And so he reached out, he sent me some studies on it. And I was like, whoa, what is this thing? He sent me a sample, blew my mind. So then all of a sudden, I'm over here. I turned my attention and then I started testing. I started doing all that stuff and it was like coming, I testing myself, right. To validate what, what it is that I was receiving. And then I said, well, let's, let's have a handshake and let's just see if this is even possible because we're in a landmass that's, it's a wild food. Number one, it's not cultivated. It's not monocropped. It's in, it's in the wild. I love that even more. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a truly a wild food and that, really doesn't exist. And it certainly doesn't exist much at scale, it, but it's also on a landmass. that's the size of three states of Texas combined. Right. So it's, so it's like, it's two thirds of the United States damn near. Right. So it's huge. So I show up in the middle of, uh, of Brazil. We head to this place called Alto Paradiso, which means high paradise. And it's like this jewel. It's the area of the highest concentration of crystals in the world. So you're like going, what is going on? And cut to this Baruzeta tree is sacred and a powerful and a promoter of life in the Sahadu. It's a nitrogen fixer. It supports the plants. It delivers nitrogen to other plants. It's, it's, it helps with the biodiversity of the microbiome in the soil. Like it's an incredible tree that produces this nut there's one nut per fruit and it has to fall it's almost protected itself from from oh you know early cultivation it literally does not complete the the creation of that nut until the last moment then it falls to the ground i'm already so excited i'm like i must i'm going to purchase as soon as we'll we'll send you some so get we'll get your information we'll send we'll send you and uh luke a bunch so those things were like but at the same time you know it's a long journey this is uh we're talking to p we're talking to foresters phders uh master students that have studied agronomists and indigenous people, I remember very distinctly, 
an indigenous uh, woman who's about 36 years old, who's the head of this whole tribe in the Sahadu. We sat down with her, said, hey, this is what we want to do. If we can pull this off, it's going to be it's going to have stabilized income for as long as uh, you want it to be there. And all you have to do is have collectors go it and we'll create a fair, what's, what's a fair wage for you? What makes sense? And so you work all that out through a hundred different meetings from a, all these different angles, all these different producers, all these different collectors, all these different indigenous people. And it, and it, and you have to show up to do that. So it's, it's hundreds, it's kind of hundreds of hours driving. But at the same time, you're learning about in the, the environment. You're learning about the Sahadu in Brazil is being destroyed faster than any landmass known on the planet today. So it is like the poor stepchild of the Amazon. It has no PR. So if a deal isn't being done to deforest for agricultural cattle grazing or planting of uh, soy or corn. If they can't do that in Amazon, they just do it right in the Sahara and they strip this whole land. So I'm watching this. There are literally lines where they've stripped it. I've, 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 I, it's kind of like you see life and then you see it killed. So all of that, you then form this relationship with the land. You form this relationship with the hundreds of people that you met, uh, the indigenous people. And and it's a wild food, and they know about it, and they know of it, and they've used it. And um, so now you've like, okay, you've agreed upon fair wages. You've agreed upon we're going to do this and be consistent for you. And um, how it's all done in an honoring way where everyone that's a part of it feels like it's all being honored. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, 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 that's, and that, like, if they're not happy, it's not going to work. Because it's literally wild food. We don't have a bunch of land. Where we're just growing this, and we control it all. <laughs> you know, it's like, like it has to be. And and our relationships in Brazil, uh, we ended up meeting this guy Sargum, is actually from the United States and has lived uh, and breathed in Brazil for the last forty years. He's got one of the greatest reputations throughout the land, and and supports the the reforestation of the Sahadu. And so we created a business relationship with him, actually bought his facility that he was having to shut down because mm. he couldn't keep this going. So we've re-inspired and got uh, the, the nuts out to the Brazilian people again. Uh, and then we've also got them out to the world. And so the nuts themselves, the nutrition is superior than almost any nut we've ever tested. Um, there's no known toxins or allergens that we know of. And, and we're planting trees. What are they best known for, um, like health benefit wise? Oh man, the list is long. So, so like if you compare it to an almond, it's got 400% more antioxidants than an almond. And, and if you just pick, pick on almonds for a while, you have so much water that's, that's needed to grow almonds, certainly in California, all of the water that we use in LA is that same amount of water is, is needed for the almond industry. Um, not to mention it's harmful to the bees because they have to bring pollinators over to pollinate the almonds and it actually kills a lot of bees in the process. So we're like the opposite. We're a wild food. It supports the ecology. We leave one for every two we pick. And we've found that out through the natural ecology. That that's actually really good balance. And from a nutritional standpoint, the micronutrients, cop copper, magnesium, iron, selenium, all of these incredible uh, electrolytes and minerals, and then a complete protein for, for a nut, which is all the amino acids to make the essential, amino, uh, essential protein that we need, and then three times more fiber than any nut. And we're all running around in America with way, way too, too less uh, fiber. So, mm -hmm. so this thing kind of checks all boxes in terms of that. And the crazy thing is, usually I'm formulating around bitters, tangent, uh, tannins, pungents, all of these kind of fla flavors that come by way of the medicinal qualities of certain foods. But this like tastes like it tastes like a better version of a peanut. And so the American palate kind of feels like they already know what it is, but yet they're like, wow, the texture, the crunch, the and then we've also harvested the fruit because we didn't want to throw away. There's this thin layer of fruit 
that I realized was still good after five years. And I was like, what the hell is going on in that fruit that it can have so much antioxidant capacity that it's not breaking down. And so we tested that it's got more antioxidants, more fiber, all of that stuff. So now we made it, made that in a trail mix. And so it's this, so you're just finding what all a of these, journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> oh my so, God. But, but that's, it's a symbol of this is how we should do business. You have to include the people, right? You have to make sure that the, that's fair, <laughs> like the, that the wages are fair, that it's something that they know how to do, that the, the, you know, we're the only company distributing the, the Barucas that actually has HACCP certifications, quality control standards for, you know, taking a wild food and then be able to make it safe and test everything and make sure that the quality is consistent and it, and it meets those standards. So, so that was its own, you know, two year journey to get a wild food accredited to be able to sell uh, safely to people. Wow. So how many years from the time that you first landed down there and got your, the phone call from the friend saying, Hey, come check out this nut to it actually being in the packages and being shipped out. How many years was that? I would say, well, they, you know, they had tried, they had looked before I was there for about a year, they were looking at importing this. So they had a bit of a runway but they hadn't worked out all of these other necessary things to the product chain. So it was in any significance, it was a couple of years before, you know, it was a lot of trips down there, a lot of meetings and, and then a lot of like facilitation of quality standards and, and relationship building. Cause honestly, it wasn't the first time someone saw these nuts mm. and it wasn't the first time that they made bold promises. Believe me. If I could tell you how many times people have been screwed over by someone making promises, it's, it's almost in every country and every continent that I've ever been to, and it's been over 40, almost, almost the same story. So, so it's, you know, they, 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 they want to do it, but you have to build this trust and this consistency and do what you're, you're going to say you're going to do. And then over time, and those building of relationships, now that makes a fabric of a conscious business that, that is benefiting uh, them, the environment, and then the people that are actually consuming them, keeping that web. Because without people consuming them and enjoying them and getting the benefits, doesn't keep the engine going, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a necessary, complete loop. So beautiful. Um, well, I know that we're reaching about on our hour time and I want to save a few minutes for the closing of the ceremony. But before we do, I just want to at least touch on because you guys had so much success with it. The show that airs on Netflix called Down to Earth with uh, Zac Efron. And, you know, we don't have to go too in depth, but I just want people aware that that show exists, especially if you're looking for content that is filled with richer consciousness and, uh, you know, vibes of nature and city. And I thought it was interesting somewhere I read that Zach decided, because I was curious how you guys met. And I think when I was researching that, he was realizing that what did he say? I'm trying to find it here. Oh, he realized all of his previous contributions to society were superficial. And that's partly why he was leaning into doing this project. And I thought, huh, like, did Zac Efron have an awakening, a spiritual awakening of sorts? And I was just curious a little bit, you know, even for just a minute or two as to how you guys um, came together, because I come from the world of TV and I, you know, been on a producer and a host. So I know what it takes to even get a show that actually airs. I mean, sometimes these things can go on for years and development. There's so much to it. So I, I just wanted to honor um, you all success. I know it was either Emmy nominated or Emmy, you won an Emmy for it. So how did, how did you guys get together on this? Yeah, it was, it was a trippy thing. I, uh, you know, just a tiny backstory is, is people had seen me superfood hunting and they're like, that'd be a great show. And it kind of be, I, I was in a few of those meetings, you know, 
throughout the years. And I'd be like, God, that's a lot of work for virtually nothing for me um, other than a show. And I like just to have a show, nah, not that interested. So I'd kind of walk away. And then I had this, as my life was evolving, the environment, because as you travel around the world, you see water, power, food, shelter issues, right? There's, there's no way of getting around that. So those things started to make a big impact on me. So I started working with organizations and people that were doing alternative energy stuff. And so I kind of one day just kind of like a show that I would actually really like to do is touching on the environment, how it's interwoven and interconnected to us as humans and tie in both that sovereignty of a human and what we're doing to the planet. So I wrote all these down, what episodes would look like. And I kind of just shoved it aside. Well, that being said, I was on Rich Roll's podcast one day. I get a call after it had aired and Rich said, Hey, I've got a buddy who knows Zach Efron. Is it okay if I give you, give him your number? He was interested in talking to me. And I'm like, I sure like, like, uh, you know, for, for an athlete or a celebrity to reach out, it's not uncommon because they're all looking for some sort of hack, you know, but I just kind of like, whatever. And then kind of, I don't know, a month or two went by nothing. And that, not that I was waning for it, but out of the blue, I get this message from Zach and he was just very sweet. He's like, Hey, I really loved what you said and blah, blah, blah. And I would love to get together. And we ended up having an amazing little, uh, vegan lunch in LA and sat, sat there for hours and just like, boom, 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 boom. And I quickly realized he's a very sweet guy uh, who cares about the world, the environment, his own health. Um, and, and sitting there going, I have this platform and you can see that I'm not promoting any of that stuff because I want to do something with my platform. And it was kind of at the very end, we talked about all these superfoods and health and life and philosophy and all of that stuff. And it was at the end where he said, you know, what else are you doing? I said, I'm working on this little idea for a show. And he's like, holy shit, that sounds amazing. Uh, you would travel and blah, 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 and do all these things. And we just kind of left it. Calls me two hours later. And he said, you'll never know. So I have a show at Netflix, but I don't want to do that concept. And I talked to my team and I said, can we change it to this and bring this other guy in? And maybe people resisted a little bit <laughs> initially, but Zach brought it. He goes, this is what we're doing. And so, you know, we brought me in as a part of the show and bam, the rest is history. And now we're currently editing uh, season two right now. Oh, cool. Uh, Great. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big, you'll love it. There's a lot of indigenous uh, ah, good. tie-ins and a lot of ceremony. So. Ah, gosh, darn it. I wish we had more time. Maybe I'll have to have you on again once the season two comes out because all of that was on my list to talk to you, but we just got in this beautiful organic flow. So it wasn't meant to be this conversation, but I really did want to dive deep with you, of course, about with ceremonies and all your travels into jungles and deserts and what you learned in terms of rituals along the way and what nature has taught you. I had like a whole other <laughs> section of an interview, uh, to do. So yeah, I guess we'll, when will season two be out? Do you know? Uh, we don't know yet. I mean, there, there's, you know, just getting things done and getting things complete and getting, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts, but we're seeing a lot of the episodes and I'm pushing, you know, we're bouncing it back and forth. Can and you give one teaser that you're allowed to like either, I don't know, like a little bit of what one ceremony touches on or any little nugget? Uh, not really, but I mean, everyone knows we are in Australia. Okay. So, so we 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 did announce that when okay. we were in Australia. So that's public information, and so obviously the Aboriginals were a major, major piece of the entire shooting, and so we did and learned a lot alongside them, and some of it is pretty pretty gnarly, like it's pretty incredible things that have never been shown or, you know, were shown. And so we were able to do things and like, so I have to stay vague, but it was, and then also we, we went up in the Northeast by Papua New Guinea and a whole tribal group of Islanders out there too. So, so it, it was the first filming 
we stepped into a ceremony and I started, already started crying. Mm-hmm. Like my ancestors, their ancestors all showed up and I was like, holy shit. This is like, and they're, they're, they're just, you know, they're just like, bam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, the, the strength and the power and the directness of those ceremonies, it's just like, let's go. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a great little button to end on. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a, what a fun conversation for me to have with you. All right, Darren, how do you feel about uh, closing this beautiful ceremony circle voyage uh, with your harmonium? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll just make some noise. Cool. Love it. and beautiful. Thank you. What a voice you have. I did not expect that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. My father had a pretty good voice, so I thank him. Wow. I mean, if you had a kirtan, I would show up. Do you ever do it? Uh, I mean, I break it out. People around it every once in a while, but no, I mean, I, I used to kirtan like, you know, there's phases of my life where it was like, full on this and full on that. And like the Kirtan was a huge part of my life. And it was actually the quick story is I, I bought a harmonium in 2003 in India and carried it back with me and I had it. And then it, it burned in the fire, of course. And my buddies that I work out with, I would show up and do these little breathing things for, to recover after we just hammered some iron and stuff. And they actually ended up finding one and surprising me with a new one. Oh my gosh, that just melted my heart all the way down to the soil. Ah, to know that your gym bros got you a harmonium. <laughs> I, I mean, that's Probably the first ever. So good. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that beautiful transmission with us and your voice with us and your generosity of just sharing the wisdom you've gained through all of your initiations. And I just had such a great time uh, connecting with you today, Darren. So thank you so much. And we'll put um, in the show notes, you know, all the links to where people can find you. But if they are wanting to go right now and get the Baruka nuts or get one of your many books, where should they go? Yeah, so barukas.com, B-A-R-U-K-A-S. And then DarrenOlean.com, Superlife, like it's all over all of that stuff. Darren on everything else. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Allison. It's been a great pleasure. All right, Soul Fam, we'll sit with you again next time. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com. 
so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.